All right, well, good afternoon. I was just actually going back to the Bhagavad Gita um, because I happened upon, it's almost how all of this seems to be kismet in a sense. I happened upon a copy of the Bhagavad Gita by a gentleman named Eknath Eshwaran. Uh, and I was attracted to it not only because it was a really nice copy and a copy that looked like it would be easy to use, you know, for study. I was currently looking at my own practice and in so, right, looking at its source, um, of course, looking at different sects of Buddhism and then looking at its source, where the meditation, mindfulness, samadhi, <clears throat> where that flows, from where that flows, <clears throat> In so, in so doing, that brought me back to the Pali, uh, the Dhammapada. I've, re I've read the Dhammapada numerous times. Um, I found a new translation. I found a new translation of the I Ching. This has all led me back to, you know, and then I was uh, researching this, you know, the, going back to the source, right? So here I am, um, I, I come across uh, a version of the Bhagavad Gita, and as I said, this is by Echnaf Eshwaran. The reason why I was attracted to it is because in his series of translations, he also does the Dhammapada and the Upanishads. Um, in his doing, uh, well, that's what attracted me, okay? I'm not going to read uh, the cover here, but the imp <laughs> yeah, I was going to. But the important thing is, is he's a Sanskrit scholar, a Hindu um, a practitioner, and you know he grew up in the Hindu faith, but also, of course, doing his translation of the Dhammapada. Having done the Dhammapada prior to the Gita is important for me because who knows what we might find. So there's more apropos because the previous chapter. Uh, to what I'm on here. I'm on chapter 15, The Supreme Self. Um, the previous chapter uh, being, sorry, no, Forces of Evolution was a previous. Uh, let me just see here. I apologize. I'm just recording these as we go. Um, previous chapter was of meditation. So I'll go back. It's quite a bit back here. Pardon me. Wow. Yeah. Chapter 6. Sorry. I didn't realize I advanced that far. Uh, chapter 6 is the practice of meditation. So here I am in chapter 15, um, which is entitled The Supreme Self. Again, this is the Bhagavad Gita, um, which is Krishna, um, who Lord Buddha is considered in an, um, an embodiment of. Uh, I mean, in, when we talk about... Um, Bodhisattvas and Buddha's ability to take different forms, to talk about dimensional bodies or, you know. Um, so, they believe, the Hindus believe that uh, Lord Buddha is an embodiment of Krishna. And I mean, if you really start to read about Krishna, in this case, the Bhagavad Gita, sorry, I get off topic easy. The Bhagavad Gita is Krishna speaking to Arjuna, and he's giving him guidance. Okay? important um, because it really when you get into some of this stuff I mean even the the kutsha grass um, and deerskin seat it goes back to the Pali and Buddhism so here I am 
Um, near the end, I won't read the entire passage, uh, the Supreme Self. Um, so it's chapter 15, um, line 15. And Krishna says, Entering into every heart, I give the power to remember and understand. It is I, again, who takes that power away. All the scriptures lead to me. I am their author and their wisdom. And 16 says, In this world there are two orders of being, the perishable, separate creature, and the changeless spirit. On to 17. But beyond these, there is another, the supreme self, the eternal Lord, who enters into the entire cosmos and supports it from within. I am, sorry, this is 18. I am that supreme self, praised by the scriptures as beyond the changing and the changeless. Those who see in me that supreme self see truly. They have found the source of all wisdom, Arjuna, and they worship me with all their heart. I didn't read that quite right. Quite right. Should be they have found the source of all wisdom, Arjuna, and they worship me with all their heart. So you could change Krishna uh, to the Lord Buddha, and you could change Arjuna to Ananda. And it's funny if you think about how close those two names are. Uh, but finally it says uh, in 20, line 20 of chapter 15 of the Supreme Self from the Bhagavad Gita, I have shared this profound truth with you, Arjuna. Those who understand it will attain wisdom. They will have done that which has to be done. Okay, so let's go backwards. Why not, right? So first, they have done that which has to be done. Okay? We talk about, particularly in the Mahayana Buddhists, um, less so in the Theravadin, but, I mean, they do in a sense that once you become, say, a stream-enterer, you know I mean? You're on a path towards enlightenment. But much more so in the Mahayana context, that we are arguably, um, inevitably, the unborn mind. That we are all destined to eventually realize our own innate, natural, oneness, original state of Buddhaness, Tathagatagarbha, as it were. So when it says, they will have done that which has to be done. Those who understand it will attain wisdom. Those who understand the teaching, okay? So, uh, maybe I do have to go back to the beginning and come back down, because it says in line 15, Ent entering into every heart, I will give the power to remember and understand. It is I again who take that power away. All the scriptures lead to me. I am their author and their wisdom. Again, if we change Krishna for Lord Buddha, entering into every heart, okay, and if we go and speak to um, Tibetan or uh, 
Chinese Buddhism, um, Japanese, which its characters flow from Chinese, and the Tibetans who developed um, writing for Buddhism. Arguably, I'll put an asterisk there. That's again could be contentious depending on who you talk to. Now, um, the same can be said for Sanskrit and Pali that use um, often interchangeably or have um, compound words that speak of mind and heart interchangeably. The Chinese use the character for heart, for mind. The Heart Sutra speaks of the mind, but uses the character heart, right? So here we're talking, entering into every heart, okay? Is it a mind? And I argue that this first line, so I'll read the whole first line. I, I argue that it is um, a kind of a compound uh, a sentence because I argue that it says two separate realities, which is not uncommon from the Buddhist perspective. If you read a lot of the sutras, the commentaries, and even the Abhidharma speaks that a lot of the words, particularly the Pali, um, have two meanings, right? Okay, not a lot, but certainly a number of them. So let me start over. Line 15 of the Gita, and Krishna says, Entering into every heart, I give the power to remember and understand. So that's what I'm talking about. So he enters into every heart, heart slash mind, entering already there, right? The Buddha nature, um, the, the Brahman or the Atman, um, the, uh, the universal soul uh, speaking to Tathagatagarbha. So is the universal soul Buddha nature. So I give the power to remember and understand. So to understand, to remember is a little bit odd, certainly hard to put into context to the Buddhist. But it is, in a sense, to remember, to bring one's attention. This is where it comes from, right? The Sanskrit word would be to bring one's attention back to your focus. Mindfulness is exactly that. It's to not be one with the universe, because once you are one with the universe, you're Buddha, you're a Buddha, you're a Tathagata. Um, so you're already there. You're already one with the universe. So mindfulness is a quality we develop, we hone. So it's a degree. Arguably, you're not going to remain mindful, therefore. So that's where that term in Sanskrit or Pali refers to bringing one's attention back to focus, back to center. So once again... Entering into every heart, so I say that, yes, of course, we're talking this, the, the idea of entering into someone's heart, someone's spirit, someone's belief, someone's love, and all that jazz. But considering that all of the languages that we're looking at flowing either uh, from the Gita and influencing works after, or the Buddhism itself, using this as, again, the Buddha was steeped in the Vedic tradition. So when it speaks to entering into every heart, again pause it, that it's entering into you, it's already there, there's that double meaning, right? Okay? It enters into your heart when you realize it, but it's already there, if you follow me. That makes it simpler. I give the power to remember and understand, right? 
So remember in the sense that it's common in Buddhism that it speaks to that you forget your natural state. You need to remember. You need to, like I said before, bringing one's attention back to the fact that you're innately Buddha. You're innately, you know, Krishna, Brahman. Brahma is, you know, what powers you in a sense, right? So I give the power to remember and understand. So the dual nature to this is both to remember and understand, I give the power of understanding, of consciousness, of sentience. But at the same time, it's also speaking to remember your, your natural state, your, your innate, your previous state, your true state. And to understand, not, to, not just understand that your natural state is Brahman, but Tathagata, Garba Buddha nature, the unborn mind, is your natural state, but also to understand that that's your destiny, that's your goal, but also to remember and understand that this delusion that we live, the dukkha, this, the suffering of everyday life, is a delusion that we once again, when we bring the Buddha nature into our heart, that's when you remember and understand the true nature of those dhammas, of that reality. So 15 goes on to say, it is I, again, who take that power away. So, again, the dual meaning, the dual nature of this. Jesus, I could have, I really could have done, look at me, I talk about my Western influence there, but I could have spent the entire podcast just on this one paragraph. But, as it says, so entering into every heart, I give the power to remember and understand. It is I, again, who take that power away. Again, the translation's difficult into English, but the I would be talking about, you know, the Antman. Again, so it's not just saying I as in you go, oh my gosh, we're supposed to be speaking about, you know, non-self, which in the Gita it talks about Atman, which is the self, but it's the eternal self. So it's not our idea of a self, you know, a self that keeps going on. It's an idea of this energy with an intent that carries on with an end goal to become one with all. But when we're talking about here, when it says in English, it is I, again, who take that power away. Well, you think, whoa, that's definitely ego. No, 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 no. That I is speaking, the I. It's both the I and your I. It's both the I in the ego um, in a kind of a mocking sense, Right? Because again, it says it is the I again who take that power away. Right? It suits the I. It's the, right? To remember and understand the Buddha nature, when the I flows again, that power fades away. But more importantly, if we look at what it's talking about, I being Krishna or Buddha nature, so the I, when you look back at the Pali or the Sanskrit, I is talking more of what we're talking about. The the energy. Your goal is to focus that energy, the Atman, the I, the, you know, what we consider the ego, but it's not the non-self, the Anatta, is to push that forward to the final goal of the unborn mind. So the dual nature, but it's the I, or meaning 
the Atman, the Brahman, Krishna, Buddha, in this case, he's saying that he has the power to take away, again, more dual meanings, the power to remember and understand. Takes away our mind. Our mind is a delusion, right? Our individual, our separateness from the universe, from Buddha nature, from Krishna, from Brahman, is a delusion, right? We need to get past. And again, 15 carries on and says, all the scriptures lead to me. I am their author and their wisdom. That's actually almost a transliteration of many different passages from uh, Buddhism, where the Buddha speaks that all the scriptures lead to him. The, the Dhamma leads to him, and then they need to be cast aside. I am their author and their wisdom. Okay, I, as in Buddha, Krishna, Rama, are their author. So the truth of the Dhammas is in the Buddha, in Krishna, right? And their wisdom is the Buddha, is Krishna, is Atman, is Brahma, is Tathagata, Tathagata Garbha, Buddha nature, okay? That's 15. So let me go back again and say, 15, entering into every heart, I give the power to remember and understand. It is I, again, who take that power away. All the scriptures lead to me. I am their author and their wisdom. So that was 15. <laughs> so I'll go on to 16 and I'll just make it simpler here. In the world, there are two orders of being, the perishable, separate creature, and the changeless spirit. So exactly there. So he's talking the double meaning because here he says there's two orders of being. The perishable separate creature, that which we think is us, that which we confuse to be the Atman, the soul, the ego, the self, the I, which is really just a vessel that our energy, our non-self, our collection of karmic uh, attachments and, and benefits all told, the, that, that bundle of energy, that basket of, of, of compassion and empathy or vow to seek the end goal, that grouping is, is both the, the changeless spirit, right? That energy that isn't us, our personality, but it is what we attach to both previous and what we will is what carries on. So again, it says, in this world there are two orders of being. The perishable, that which is impermanent, the separate creature, and the changeless spirit. The changeless spirit, in a sense, again, translation gets in the way here, but we're talking about what does carry on. Because we don't reset if we do it right. It's not a reset and a start over. You get to carry on. Just like the different stages of arhat or harhatmanship. However you'd want to call it. The different stages of arhats. You become a stream enterer. And a, you know, a, there's different stages to all of this. So it's speaking to the same here, right? So the changeless spirit, right? It's our energy. It's the bundle of energy that is us. Okay, and it carries on to 17, says, but beyond these there is another, the supreme self. 
the eternal Lord, who enters into the entire cosmos and supports it from within. Okay? It seems odd, because I'll go back 16 and 17 together. It is this world, uh, sorry, in this world, there are two orders of being, the perishable separate creature and the changeless spirit. And 17 says, beyond these, there is another, the supreme self, the eternal Lord, who enters into the entire cosmos and supports it from within. So looking at it from this perspective, in this world, there's two orders of beings, okay? And it's speaking to those that see the perishable self, separate creature and the changeless spirit is one. So your impermanent body and your impermanent ego are you, are one thing, and are it. Versus those that see the separate being of this impermanent separate creature is one with this impermanent separate ego because the, the Supreme Self, the Eternal Lord, those uh, who enters into the entire cosmos and supports it from within is the Krishna, the Buddha, the Brahman, the Atman, the Eternal Self in, in the Vedic tradition, in the Buddha tradition would be your Buddha nature. Um, that's what it's speaking to here, right? And I'll go on, uh, not to belabor. Uh, 18 says, I am that Supreme Self, praised by the scriptures as beyond the changing and the changeless. Which is true. It's, it's kind of really the, one of the biggest um, enigmas, arguably could be considered a koan and of itself. In Buddhism, is anicca, um, impermanence, but Buddha nature is, is not. Buddha nature is permanent, right? Arguably, you can risk your own enlightenment, but Buddha nature itself... Tathagatagarbha, the actual state of being one, being a Buddha, being an enlightened one, fully enlightened, that's why they use these different terms, itself is permanent, but it's not. That's really the real quandary there. Um, it is if you achieve the ultimate enlightenment, but wisdom is is not permanent with it's it's really see what I mean? It could be considered a koan because Tathagatagarbha is permanent, but Anicca states that nothing is permanent. The only guarantee is impermanence. So it's a beautiful thing, but at the same time an incredibly confusing thing. But I'll go on. I am that supreme self, praised by the scriptures is beyond the changing and the changeless. Okay? That's where the Buddha talks about um, we all have this, this intrinsic Buddha nature or if you go back to the Theravedic tradition they, they talk about um, the impermanence of Tathagatagarbha, right? The, the 10,000 lifetimes that it'll wait for us to achieve that enlightenment, right? Okay. Um, 19 goes on to say those who see in me that supreme self see truly. Okay? So again, the supreme self again. Those who see in me that supreme self see truly. That's almost could be ripped from almost any sutta. The Buddha says that those that see 
in the Buddha, the Supreme Self, the truth, right? See truly. Wisdom is to see your natural state is the unborn mind, the Buddha nature, Tathagatagarbha, is your natural state. So those who see in him that the Supreme Self, see, those who see in me that Supreme Self, so those who see the goal is to get back to Buddha nature, see truly. They are the ones that actually see. Finally, it says, they have found the source of all wisdom. The source of all wisdom. So arguably, depending on the translation, it could be the ultimate wisdom, or it could be the, the truth of everything. Because what we are confused by what we consider to be reality, and therefore what we consider to be wisdom, is different from what we actually would understand wisdom to be when we achieve full, complete Clear light understanding, wisdom, nirvana, whatever you want to call it. Okay? Finally, he says, They have found the source of all wisdom, Arjuna, and they worship me with all their hearts. Right? Could be a joke, could be a play. I mean, worship him. Uh, I mean, that's... Oh, no, wait a minute here. Hold on. I even confused myself. I'm not reading a Buddhist scripture here. I'm in a Gita. So it makes perfect sense that um, he would say worship... Um, with all their hearts. But again, I argue if you read it just a little bit different, and remember, the English is not the original text, I argue that the translation could as easily be changed to, and they, they venerate this truth with all their being. Right? Because when you, as he said, those who see in me that supreme self, so those who see the supreme truth in the Buddha's teaching, arguably even Krishna, see that all of us are Im Im imbued with the same energy, therefore are all of the same fountainhead. Those who see in me that supreme self see truly. They have found the source of all wisdom. Arjuna, and they worship me with all their heart. So they venerate this truth with all their spirit and being. Those who really see the source of all wisdom as being this nature of selfless um, detachment from our reality, our suffering, our delusions. And finally he says, I have shared this profound truth with you in uh, line 20. I have shared this profound truth with you, Arjuna. Those who understand it will attain wisdom. They will have done that which has to be done. So again he speaks, he says, okay, I've shared this profound truth with you, exactly what I was saying. So he's not talking about a supreme self in a sense of, again, this is, um, this is Krishna speaking to Arjuna. He's giving him personal advice and he's asking about, what about me? So when we're talking about mind only, we're talking about the universe lies in oneself. So when we use the term self, we're also talking about what our entire universe goal is. The entire goal to the universe is this profound truth that what you need to do is, uh, though, is see that the supreme truth, right? Because in that one line, line 19, it says both those who see in me that 
supreme self see truly, but you can also say those who see in me that supreme truth see themselves. Okay? It goes on to say they have found the source of all wisdom. Okay? The source of all wisdom is thine self, within thine self. So once again, line 20, I have shared this profound truth with you, Arjuna. He has shared a truth. The truth of self is the unborn mind. Those who understand it will attain wisdom. Those who see the goal is not within this delusional realm. The truth of ourselves lies within, and it's not a realization it's an understanding or it's a discovering of a natural state that lies um, within. They will have done that which has to be done. They will achieve a state that must be done for happiness, but at the same time, they will, Right As it says, they will have done that which has to be done. They have to ignore their own self. They have to ignore their emotions, their feelings, their distractions, their, their jealousy, all of it. It's a multi-soul. Just to go back over it, but listen to it from a Buddhist perspective, and you hear it. So once again, this is chapter 15 of the Bhagavad Gita. This is Krishna speaking to Arjuna, giving personal... Um, Guidance as far as the Supreme Self. Uh, chapter 15, line 15. Entering into every heart, I give the power to remember and understand. It is I, again, who take that power away. All the scriptures lead to me. I am their author and their wisdom. In this world, there are two orders of being, the perishable, separate creature, and the changeless spirit. But beyond these, there is another, the Supreme Self, the Eternal Lord, who enters into the entire cosmos and supports it from within. I am that supreme self, praised by the scriptures as beyond the changing and the changeless. Those who see in me that supreme self see truly. They have found the source of all wisdom, Arjuna, and they worship me with all their heart. I have shared this profound truth with you, Arjuna. Those who understand it will attain wisdom. They will have done that which has to be done. Okay? And I don't... Uh, it's handy enough, but I won't bother. The Heart Sutra speaks to exactly this, right? Um, right? This must be done. This is a path to be done. Those who realize, you know, lose, drop things away, and uh, float freely amongst because they're free from, you know, the five skandhas. Right? And, and the same can be said... Um, yeah, anyways, that's probably enough. Um, that's just the very beginning as far as uh, I went back to the Gita to get a better understanding of how, you know, the Vedic tradition was used to explain uh, Dharma using Chinese now and, and uh, the Taoist side, and I just wanted to go back to a root. But, I mean, when you start reading this stuff, even the Gita, I mean, with, with a little bit of confusion... Considering the the words the, in English they chose to use, I mean it really could be um, a mind only school of Buddhism or in an emptiness uh, Zen uh, Chan right. You could be talking um, this 
as I said, I mean, arguably could be right both a, a koan and at the same time. Uh, well, well, that's what I was going to say. I was gatte gatte paragatte parasamgatte bodhiswa. That's the mantra of the Heart Sutra. It's supposed to be the heart of the teachings of the emptiness or the mind-only school. Um, Zen, Chan. Um, gatte, gatte, gone, gone. Paragatte, gone beyond. Parasamgatte, gone far beyond. Bodhi, swa, which is, you know, enlightenment, uh, your ultimate goal. Uh, Bodhi, this understanding, this clear light vision, this this. This awakening, this wisdom, this understanding, I mean, arguably with the, like, uh, a moment of clarity, bodhi, this understanding, it's, you know, a celebration, so once again, gatte, gatte, paragatte, parasamgatte, bodhi, swaha, so that's gone, gone, gone beyond, gone far beyond, to the truth, Praise. That's another way I've heard it translated, and that's exactly what we're getting at here. Just like, just like he spoke of, right, right. Those who see in me that supreme self see truly. They're gone. They're gone beyond, far beyond, far beyond the delusions and the the distractions and and the misunderstandings of this world, samsaric, but I could go on and on and on. But so anyways, there we are. That's, uh, that's my take on, uh, half of, uh, chapter 15 of the Bhagavad Gita.